0: from the far beyond. This is one of a series of podcasts by Paldon Jenkins, and I live on a farm in the far west of Cornwall, in the southwest of Britain, on a place called Planet Earth. And these podcasts cover my interests as a veteran of the revolution and as a cancer patient and a person who's nearing the end of his life and looking at things in a deeper and wider way. I'm going to read you the transcription of a regression I did and I did this in the year 2000 and it was a regression back to a time when I had a close encounter um, and that was in 1972. So this is a recounting of the story from the inside, stuff that it took me decades to remember. and. I had been asked by a regressionist who researches ET experiences called um, Atasha Fife. She's now passed away and she wanted to raid my brains to find out what had gone on for me and so this is what happened during that regression. This is her notes. This is a a revisitation to a close encounter Palden experienced in November 1972 in mid-Wales, Radnorshire, where he and a friend saw a big lenticular craft over Castle Hill above the River Wye and watching it for twenty to forty minutes. Small craft came out of the big craft at times. The hill and the craft were about half a mile away, and the nighttime atmosphere was still crisp and clear. He and his friend both checked and discussed their perceptions. They turned away and turned back, and the craft was still there. This was the inner experience that took place while Palden and his friend were observing the craft. After the encounter, Palden's first unpremeditated reaction was, I now know what being blessed means. He was twenty-two at the time. so it's as if I get drawn into the craft, but not by normal spatial means. It's as if I've walked through a door into another world, as if inside the craft is not in this world, even though the craft is in this world. They seem to be working on something. There are about three or four of them in a gaggle, watching, working over a desk. I'm just waiting." And suddenly it's as if the sight of the craft dematerializes, and I'm stepping into another world. The brilliance is difficult to get my sight adjusted to. It's very bright pastel colours. There are shapes, but it's indistinct. There's a being behind me, pushing me forward gently. I ask him, where am I going? And he says, right here. We seem to be floating, walking, and now he's holding my hand. "'I seem suddenly to be in a meeting. "'I am very dissociated from my current earthly personality and body. "'I seem not to be myself, yet I am very much myself. "'I am sitting down at a meeting. "'They seem to have been waiting. "'There is a matter to attend to. "'It seems quite grave, something about Siberia. "'They seem to be asking me questions. "'It's a grave situation and a tricky operation.' There's something about intruding themselves into our specific time. It's quite difficult for them to inject themselves into our specific time, the time of 1972. There's something where they have to unplug a certain cycle of inevitability which could lead to some quite great damage on Earth. Somehow they're raiding my psyche for information, for data, in order to try to check it against their own. This is very much a borderline into intervention in the world, but they're very deliberate, and they maintain non-intervention. I can feel that. Yet the situation in the world is such that it is very close. They've now got all the data they need. They know what they want to do, but there have been some difficulties in affecting it. Something to do with Russia, Siberia. That is where the nexus of the problem is. I can sense America, too. Vietnam. Cold War. They've done it. There's some sort of programming key they've managed to find by raiding my psyche. Well, they all seem to be happy... I feel there's a thread coming out from my heart, which they have been drawing on. It's some sort of thread of experiential data. The thread is still coming out. It's as if it's attached to a machine, but they're all happy now. Yet this machine is still interacting through this thread with me. It's okay. There's something okay about it. And now they've unplugged the thread from me, and they've fed it into the machine. Now they're soothing me down. There are four of them. I'm not really permitted to see their shape too closely. I ask them, is that it? They say, no. Now, they say, we have something for you. One of them takes my hand and then launches into the air and we're going, flying, a bit like Superman, through the void. I can really feel his hand. He's got three fingers and a funny kind of pod for the palm, a bit like a sucker. We're arriving in a world there are buildings which are like pods, like domes, brown-red. This is a place where these people live. These pods are rather like bubbles and bubbles, within bubbles and upon bubbles. Then I enter into one. There's no door, you just schmooze into it. I'm facing a woman-type being who comes in quite human form with her hair dressed up with things like plaited and beads and things, "'It's as if her skin is old, kind of leathery but soft, and she's very soft in her vibration. "'Dressed in a rather earthly, primitive form, as if in leathers or skins. "'She's quite friendly. "'She's giving me a kind of a squarish ball, cubic and not entirely tangible. "'She says for me to absorb it. "'This I absorb. "'It contains a vastness of data. "'No, no, of experience. "'It contains experience.' Ooh, it's, it's as if suddenly I'm transported into another world and I'm with beings that are in a dark, deep blue colour. It's as if they're in diving suits, kind of wetsuit things, which colour their heads too, but it's shiny almost. The strange thing is, is that they can change their height in relation to me. They go really small and then they can go large again, as if to tell me to stop looking at the form. They're showing me their world. It's so colourful, it's very bizarre, it's like a a film set in a fantasy land, with deep tonality of colour. It's an organic world which subsists on thought and vision. The physicality of it can change in relation to your thought. If I think I want to go in a certain direction, a way becomes cleared, and it's like the parting of the waters for me to project myself forward they are showing me the tonality richness and colour and they are saying that it is like this in in connection with a time when i have worked with them before that it has become like this in some way i help them to find the hidden thread to manifest their reality more perfectly they had experienced a fundamental lack of knowledge. They had to address a certain key manifestation issue in their world. I think I managed to identify and diagnose that there was a missing, missing ingredient. It was to do with the setup of the morphogenetic codings of this world, where there was a minor ingredient which has been, had been missed out. And I had been called in to try to identify what the problem was. I was able to bring the thread that allowed this world to make itself just that final bit more manifest. I'd helped them to identify this glitch, and then I went off to fetch the ingredient, something about 117 there's a kind of vitamin, a creational vitamin, there's a constituent superstring which I had to go and fetch, so I returned to this world with this superstring, and then I was able, by melding my mind with three others, to bring them my own intellect. We focused together, and the deed was somehow done. By this means, we were able to insert the superstring into the morphogenetic programming, which is inherent to the structure of this world. This is a world, but it's also a bit like an educational interactive game. This is a special place for problem-solving by the execution of a tremendously advanced game, as if the working of the game unfolded creational destiny itself, at least for the participating members. This world exists as a creator game, so that certain advanced beings may make experiential calculations It's a bit like an interactive laboratory, a sandbox, within which things may be tried out or imagined and experimented with, yet there was a glitch in this world. The questions some of the visitors to that world were asking were stretching the evolutionary parameters of of that game world, and they reached a level of complexity where that world couldn't cope with the scale of the questions. This was the reason for my being called in originally.' I think I had been taken here by my friend to reconnect me to my previous evolutionary threads. This is their gift for me, for the service I rendered in the craft. I'm experiencing two things at once now. I'm in that world, but I'm also on the craft. On the craft I am more myself, very much caught in my human sense of inadequacy, my thoughts and my concerns, yet in this game world they regard me as a respected genius. It's a lovely world, it's so picturesque, but it's dead serious. It's got this imagery and plasticity of modelling which is so responsive, and there are so many possibilities and permutations in this game world that it boggles me. They're all so happy to see me, There are hundreds of them now. They're gathered around. I'm finding it quite moving because they hold me in such high regard. I had some difficulty interfacing this in my life as it stood in 1972. There's something about the poignancy, acuteness and predicamentality of human experience which they can read off and they can see my feelings too and they drink it up as if they don't themselves get this kind of thing. My guide the one who brought me here from the craft, is kind of chuckling. I think he understands a bit more about me than they do. For these other ones, human existence is so way out for them. It seems to be time to go. The beings who come to this game world are creator beings, as if they're the maintainers of suns. I can't even see one, but I can feel their immensity. They're on on a different scale. They're faced with very intricate and demanding issues in their own right in relation to the nature of creation and whatever they come from. Okay, my friend is taking me somewhere else. We're doing the Superman trip again. We're off. Oh, God. I never thought this was possible. Oh, my God. It seems we're suddenly inside a sun. We have entered a sun. There's nothing particularly happening except its immense it's a feeling of being inside an enormous presence. I have no way of judging the extent. I'm just aware of the immensity of the presence that my guide and I seem to be inside. This sun is a source from which worlds form. It's an origination point in which creation comes into being. It's like an enormous fermentation process, but it's going on so much and so fast and also so slowly. It's kind of like being in proto-creation not exactly form but it's not exactly void it's like the emergent edge of creation my guide is saying that he's showing me this in order for me to understand what i'm a part of in order to remind me of root principles then i'm being taken away we're back to superman i'm being taken to a world which is very much like earth it's beautiful blue, quite physical, but not quite as physical as earth. This place is like planet earth, without the problems. It's a mirror of earth. There's something amazing about it, yet there's something lacking too which I can see, but which its own inhabitants do not know. I understand that it's probably best for them not to know. I'd hate for them to follow the path that we followed on earth, yet I'm faced with a paradox because they have everything, yet something is missing.' something that we do have on earth, perhaps it's the the pain and poignancy of life on earth, and the feeling of it. It's just lovely, it's just happy. There's no resistance. They have evolved without the crap we've been involved with. They went by the fast and simple path, whereas ours seems to be so much of a, a treadmill, such a haven of horrors, such hard work, to the extent that we lose our way and forget why we came to earth. Yet there's something we have that they don't have on this world. It's so easy on this world. There's no struggle, no pain. There's nothing going wrong. But in another way, they don't know what the opposite is, so they don't know how privileged they are. There's a certain lack of dimensionality to it. I think I'd get bored here, even though it's wonderful. I suddenly find myself pulling out of my psyche all of the unfulfilled hopes and intentions and possibilities that I ever had, as if I'm discharging them, and they will come into manifestation just by being thought up and willed into manifestation. But here it's possible and easy to do that, but I'm not really sure if I like it here, actually. This heaven, it's got a a certain unreality to it from my earthly viewpoint. I'm eating a fruit. Its taste and texture are changing in relation to my thoughts.' I'm rather relieved we're leaving this world now. We seem to be returning to the craft. Something has happened. These beings are a bit grey-like in some respects, but they're not greys. They've got big craniums. Their eyes are like the wraparound mantis eyes, but I get the feeling that that's a mask. They don't express their personality through the face or appearance. You feel it, though. There's a lot of personality there, a lot of character in them, So it seems that something else has come up while we've been away. They've been taking me in on one of the craft. It's like being inside a bubble and I'm in there with two others and we're we're just going zoop. These craft are entirely enclosed without windows and yet you're fully aware of everything that's going on outside. We've gone to Siberia. In a split second I'm watching some of their crew "'almost doing nuts-and-bolts bits of engineering. "'They're kneeling and bending over something like a piece of machinery. "'It might be human nuclear technology, "'which they've somehow taken out and are doing some fixing. "'What do you think of this?' one of them says to me. "'I'm looking carefully at it. "'I can see the Russian Cyrillic characters. "'One of them is kind of shaking his head and tutting, "'as if to say, how stupid can they be?' there are some discussions, some probing. This has to do with weapons. It's to do with the neutralization of a technical glitch which seems to be causing a lot of potential problems, problems with time and space and the morphogenetic substructure of our world. The Russians aren't aware of it, yet it could change or harm the world or something like that. That's what this all this fixing is all about. "'Well, they seem to be all quite satisfied with that. "'It it seems to be fixed, "'but they're looking at me as if I have knowledge in this area. "'I'm trying to tell them that I don't have knowledge in this area. "'How am I supposed to know? "'But in my deeper identity, "'presumably I do have this knowledge, "'since I'm an earth-human. "'I must be providing them access to something in the human realm.' "'They're chuckling over the fact that we humans "'can't weld or shape metal by thought.' I think they're rather happy now. I think they've cracked something. So now they're going to return this piece of machinery to wherever it's come from. So they're going to go off and deal with that and we all schmooze back into the craft. Now, if the problem's in Siberia, why is the mothership in Wales? The answer I get is that the geographical positioning of it doesn't matter one bit. It's just that they rather like this spot, and they like it as an entry point into planet Earth. No particular reason other than that. Distance is no object. this is all a bit stretching. I've asked them why they didn't bring my friend in. They said, well, she's out there with you, keeping you there. The fact that you're in here is only a twist of reality she's out there with you keeping your human side company she did not need to come in here and i'm asking who actually are they i mean i recognize you as friends and i know you they're blanking me on that one the trouble is we can't give you that information exactly unless we take you away they say it would be a little bit disturbing for me at this present time to be taken there, but they decide to show me some things. I'm experiencing a sort of stainless steel city, a world where they come from. There's something immensely civilised about it. They feel very civilised, very advanced, but in some respects a bit... a bit cut off from nature. They do have friends in our galaxy, but they're not of our galaxy. They twanged past their friends in our galaxy on their way here. In a sense, they have to actually walk through their friends. Somehow their craft, which isn't a craft, it's a mini-world, has to twang through that way way station in galactic space. They're saying that the physical galaxy is one thing, but there's another galaxy which seems to be going at 43 degrees in- inclination in physical terms, yet it's not a physical galaxy. It's at 43 degrees inclination to the plane of our galaxy, but not a physical galaxy. Therefore, we cannot perceive it. But it's as if our galaxy is a biplanar galaxy, and this intersects it. And our solar system is in the planar intersection in galactic terms it's located there which is one of the things that characterizes the particular multi-reality nature of humans and human life on earth it's so physical but it's also very non-physical to the extent that these two realities can appear very separate waking life and sleep and dreaming especially in relation to our earth experience we do tend to separate them out and render our non-physical experience unconscious or we deny it or we see it as unsubstantial or surreal just imagination. Now in their world it's a city. It might not be on a world as we know it. It's got a very stainless steel and technological feeling to it although it doesn't feel too bad and the steel is actually light but I've got a feeling it's a constructed world population in the hundreds of thousands, not millions or billions. Very much more evolved than than us in many respects. But again, we on earth get an extra dimension of reality which they just don't have experience of directly. We have evolved in areas where they cannot or do not. There are certain extra levels to our existence, extra permutations to our available repertoire of experiences. It's denser, more variegated, more flavoured. It's pain and joy. These polarities of experience are very much switched up on earth. One of them is giving me a taste of their own repertoire of available experiences. It's as if there is much less variety and intricacy of experience compared to us. In another way, they are more consciously deep than we are. They are more functional on what one would regard as a cosmic or metaphysical level. Their world is not as physical as ours, yet it is, nevertheless, one where engineering is necessary. In their world, it is not possible just to create realities through thought. They do have to apply technique, technology, and physical force to the construction of their reality, but not quite to the same degree as we. He's demonstrating how he creates things. He's holding a spanner or a monkey wrench or something that appeared in his hand, and he's demonstrating how he can manifest and unmanifest reality by a mixture of thought and engineering. It's been engineered, forged, designed, carefully constructed, except it can be disappeared too. It's still not as physical as our material things might be. He's indicating that many of the physical ETs with which we have interaction are of much more of this frequency, of this density. It's a subtler density to ours. Oh, no! He's just walked through me, and I could feel it physically while he was walking through me. It's a bit like kind of pins and needles. By doing this, he's demonstrating that he is physical but not physical to the extent that we would bump up against one another, except if he willed himself to bump me. He's showing me, he's giving me his hand, and he's pushing my shoulder. Now, he says, he is willing his hand to possess sufficient physicality to bump into my physicality. And now he is not, and he puts his hand through my shoulder." He's saying that while they can achieve a level of physicality which will function on our planet, they cannot function for more than what we would regard as 96 hours or four days. It is overly exhausting to go beyond that temporal extension of intense physicality. It's a bit like our diving underwater. It's not their ideal domain. They have to create a mental etheric equivalent to that to to function in our world. They prefer their interactions to last but hours at a time. Nevertheless, in their mothership, they are in their world, even if the mothership is technically located in our world. But they're in their world, and therefore they're safe within their ships. He's saying, I'm beginning to exhaust myself, because it's stretching my consciousness, and it's, it's very similar when they visit planet Earth. They can get exhausted. Although they never tire and they never sleep, they can get exhausted, batteries flat. He's such a friendly guy, I I like him. He's actually not so advanced. He has access to far greater esoteric detail and energy than we do, and yet he's evolved along different tracks, and his realities are different to ours. Yet, in another way, he's only got a little bit more all-knowingness than we have he's saying that our advanced beings are more advanced than their advanced beings but our ordinary beings are far less devout than their ordinary beings we're a much more variegated lot he's saying that dealing with humans is like dealing with lots of different worlds within our world there are many worlds earth is like piccadilly circus a meeting place he is of a co-evolved family of souls who remain as one as if a tribe we on earth are like a load of people who came from everywhere. Some of their people are amongst our people, though there is a problem because most of them forget who they truly are. There are many worlds of experience interwoven and integrated into what we believe to be one world, our world, but it is one planet and many worlds. Occasionally they have conferences with various other beings who are working with planet earth to try and exchange notes because there is such a vast variety and intricacy of humans and of situations on earth which is one of the great assets and problems of our world oh he's taking me for a bit more of a look around his world just so that i can clock it you're very alive but you're quite tired now he says he takes me into a hall which has a love has lovely kinds of arches "'It's almost crystalline, but the walls are of light, actually. "'The light is coming from the walls and the floor. "'There are things suspended in the air "'which are somewhere between mirrors and ice-flakes. "'It's a whole large series of chandeliers, except it's floating. "'I don't exactly understand what the function of this hall is, "'but it's large, and there are people who are moving around. "'He just seems to be giving me a glimpse of this, "'and then suddenly we're back on the craft immediately.' the job has been done. There's nothing more. They seem to wish to thank me. I seem to wish to thank them, and suddenly I'm outside. I'm back with my friend on the hill. They're over there, and we are over here. The ship is just getting smaller and slightly dimmer. I can't tell whether it's going away. It's over Castle Hill, and it's just getting smaller, and now it's gone.' And I feel blessed. I just feel gratitude. I feel as if I left my past behind. I can now move on. You've been listening to a podcast from the far beyond with Powell and Jenkins. If you want to find out more about me, then go to my website at palden.co.uk The music was made by a lovely man in Austria called Sun Circle and it came through Pixabay website. Thanks for being with and listening. There's more to come.